You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. We are back on another episode of Hive Hoops. My man Carter Bond is back as well. We're only, I think this is episode 22, 23. And uh, this is his second appearance on the show. He's basically a regular at this point, right? Carter, how you doing, my man? Great to be on. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, thank you, thank you. My lifelong dream my whole life was to be the most appeared guest on the Hives Hoops podcast. So Ooh. we're getting there. We're getting there. I want to protect my lead. I want to get up 20, 30, protect my lead, hold the ball, run the ball. And then, uh, yeah, but no, man, thanks for having me on. Always fun to talk more to Hoops, though. Man, it's always good to make lifelong dreams come true. That's what we do here (laughs) at Hive Hoops. That's what we're about. We're all about the people. You're one of our people at this point. Uh, And so having you on, no-brainer. I wanted to get you back on because last episode, we were talking a lot of over-unders, a lot of hornets, um, you know, basically which direction to go. I think we pretty much know where we're at at this point, right? <laughs> I mean, is it fair to say that we kind of know where uh, where that direction lies at this point? Uh, 11 and 31. We're not even to the all-star break yet. Yeah, we're 20 games under 500. Uh, the story is told, and that's all she wrote. We're tank. We're the tank team. We talked about it because right before the pod, uh, right after the pod got posted last time when I was on, and it's announced Lamelo's back. The whole time we're talking about when should Lamelo come back, all this, and then he comes back right after, and we're saying, oh, I, I kind of don't want to tank. The tank's off, and then immediately the tank's back on. We're, we're terrible, eleven and thirty-one. Whatever. I, I I don't even know what to say at this point. It's just like let's get the young guys in. Trade deadline's coming up. Let's let's explode the team by January tenth, man. By mm-hmm. January tenth, I posted a. Uh... Uh, a tweet from Hornets lead last night and it was just 20 games under 500 by January the 10th. I did not see that coming. I saw what there was definite avenues where I saw where this team was going to, could possibly be 20 games under 500 in March, you know, like by that point. Okay. But really didn't see a pathway to where it would happen. You're talking just 10 days into the new year, man. And so, like you said, LaMelo ball, we were kind of excited, you know, we were talking tank, but then we get that news back. LaMelo balls coming back. We're like, pause, hold, halt everything. The savior is coming back. And here we are. The Hornets is record. <laughs> with a healthy LaMelo ball this year is 5-13. and 13. Where has it gone wrong, Carter? Where has it gone right in spots? And where does it really go from here for the rest of the season? The weird thing is where you say, where has it gone wrong? You look at this team on paper. This is not an 11-31 and 31 team on paper. That's the frustrating thing as a Hornets fan. You see the names of LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Kelly Oubre, P.J. Washington, Gordon Hayward. That's not an 11-31 and 31 team. That is, The Spurs are an 11-31 and 31 team. Yeah. 
Terry Rozier not playing to what he normally plays at. Lately, he's been better, but the way he's played all year is another reason why we're at this at this point. Injuries, what could have gone wrong has gone wrong this year. The Miles Bridges stuff, I think, is way a way bigger deal than we realize, especially before the season. He was so good for us last year. He bailed us out a lot. I mean, he was a legit all-star caliber player, and not to have him this year – and I, obviously, we don't know like what's all going down with all the stuff in court and all that. But what we did know about Miles Bridges was he was a big locker room guy. These dudes loved Miles Bridges, and ultimately, he may have been the glue guy to winning basketball in Charlotte. As you wouldn't have thought that maybe last year, but these dudes love playing with him. We saw Lamelo when he saw him in L.A. Like they, they're so happy. All these dudes are really close friends with Miles Bridges. Not having him this year, I, I think, is the reason why this has ultimately happened. Gordon Hayward being injured, we kind of knew that was going into the season. But Terry Rozier kind of kind of digressing. But then, like, we just play terrible defense. It, I don't know what's going on, man. Like, I, it's just I have the, I have no answers. It's like if you watch The Simpsons, it's like Ned Flanders or whatever Flanders family, and he's like, "We've tried nothing, and we're all out of ideas." <laughs> That's so true because you just look. And I was a big proponent of I thought the Miles Bridges loss heading into the season was being a bit overblown by people. I didn't Me too. Think Me too. Was, I didn't think he was that level of player. I thought he was a good player. But at the end of the day, he was the second best player on a 10 seed. Mm-hmm. And so like losing him, I know that the East was better last year, all those things, but losing him ultimately and handicapping and I've used the word holding an entire offseason hostage. I thought that I didn't think he was that kind of player. And I'm willing at this point to open up to that and admit that maybe I missed on that. Maybe, you know, what you're speaking of, the guys clearly love him. Uh, Personal life here or there, it doesn't matter. They, the guys respond to him positively. Uh, we saw that on the sidelines in L.A., like you stated. And maybe that's playing a bigger role than I would like to give it. Uh, maybe some of my personal views on Miles got in the way there as well. I'm open to that, too. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, uh, you know, Terry Rozier, you know, all the injuries. We've gone over all of those things. Every Hornets podcast out there has covered that, including this one. Um, But you thought with maybe LaMelo Ball coming back that he's that dude, right? That with him coming back, his, his energy, his positivity, his flair, his creativity, all of those things would really inject life into this team. And five and 13 with him on the floor, it just hasn't translated. Where are you? What parts of LaMelo's game are you wanting more from at this point? Because I know for a lot of us, we were looking at this as, oh, he's he's got to be the Hornets number one. He's got to be that guy. He's come in, and I think he has been the number one, but it's just – proving to be too bad of a team but which areas do you think that he still needs to improve on to really be able to elevate this team to carry them in situations like we're currently in uh number one game awareness game awareness end of game awareness 
realizing what you need to do at the end of games. Uh, like I've mentioned it before on my podcast plenty of times, whether he whether the Hornets are up 20, down 20, game seven of the NBA Finals tie game, he's going to play the same no matter what, which is frustrating. You have to play according to what is going on at the game. But number one, he sucks at defense. He's flat-footed. He doesn't move. He's a revolving door on defense. He's a liability on the defensive end. You can't say otherwise, and that really hurts us. It puts you in a bad position because essentially you're playing four on five on defense, and then one of those other guys is Mason Plumley underneath, and he's supposed to be your help defender whenever these guys are slashing to the rim, blowing by LaMelo. So then you're just putting a catastrophe on the Hornets' defensive end. I have to see more from LaMelo on the defensive end. Otherwise, though, like, He's playing pretty well, 23 points per game, eight and a half assists, five and a half rebounds. He's shooting almost 40% from three. You can't really ask for much more than that. Yeah, offensively, he has career highs and points. I believe in assists as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. Rebounds are a little bit down this year, but then his three-point percentage is up. Offensively speaking, like, and that's the big out for everybody, right? When when it starts – to come down to LaMelo ball criticism. Where can we really criticize him? Which pieces of his game can we, you know, pick apart and see where he needs to improve for all of the LaMelo truthers out there. That's what they can always fall back on, right? Is leading the team in points, uh, career high in points, career high in assists. Uh, The team was number one uh, in pace with him leading the charge. Once he came back healthy for a while, I I haven't checked those numbers recently. But those are the things that people can really rely on who are those, you know, diehard LaMelo fans. Not necessarily the Hornets fans, but the LaMelo fans. But then, like you said, defensively, he keeps this team in scramble mode. He's caught ball watching too often. His player goes back door or just comes off the screen to the top because he's not even he's not keeping uh his guy in his peripherals. Um, and then like you said, behind him, you don't have that rim protection. You don't have that guy that you can trust to to really hold down the paint. Well, not yet, at least. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we, we might get there in a little bit, but it's just causing too many problems. I agree with you there uh as well. I guess I want to transition to this. Can LaMelo Ball be the number one option on a basketball team that consistently wins? Yeah, like I I really think he can. I truly believe in LaMelo Ball. Like, I think he's a phenomenal player. I feel like some people who are listening to this believe I'm a LaMelo downer. I believe the franchise should be revolved around LaMelo Ball. There, it's, it's one, you have no option at this point, but two, he's that good. I think he can be the number one option. Championship team, no. I don't see it on a championship team or even a finals contender team. But a team to make the playoffs, yes, I think he can be the number one guy to make a playoff team in the Eastern Conference. So with you stating that, like which player would be a good comparison that's a number one option on their team? They're a good, solid team year in, year out, but like they don't have that championship caliber level of play. 
Like, would you oh, say man, like put me on the spot here? Dam- let me think. Let me like think. you thinking like Damian Lillard type? Yeah, I think I Lillard think- has that next level. That has that next level thing. I think that'll come with time. Lamelo is also so young, is what people also have to realize. He's what twenty one years old. Like, let's give him time. These guys are so young. A lot of the times you'll hear these podcasts and they'll compare. Like I was listening to Simmons earlier or Rasilla earlier, and they're talking about you know Evan Mobley is no longer going to be Tim Duncan or whatever. But like Tim Duncan came into the league at twenty three. Mobley came into the league at 18, 19. Like there is a big difference there. And you compare it to college football, Stetson Bennett's 25 playing in the national championship. Joe Burrow's about to hope or, you know, maybe go to his second Super Bowl being younger than Stetson Bennett. So it's interesting with the age part, but to compare it to someone, I honestly like, I see a kind of a world like Tyrese Halliburton. We've seen him. It's not something we've seen consistently, but this year, the Pacers are 23-18 and 18 with Tyrese Halliburton. He's turned that team around and playing winning basketball, and he's the number one guy on the Indiana Pacers. I think LaMelo could easily be that guy. You just pissed off so many Hornets fans comparing LaMelo Ball to Tyrese Halliburton. I understand that, but you, you, you got to give Tyrese Halliburton the credit, man. I mean, he, he that Pacers team was supposed to they – their over-under in Vegas was like 22-and-a-half wins this year, 23-and-a-half. They're already and they're gonna. There. They're going to hit that in like two weeks. Yeah. No, Um. yeah, the Halliburton love, I get it. And Lillard, yeah, Lillard's still in that next tier. When I ask this question, I almost feel like it's unfair of me to even ask it. Can LaMelo Ball be that number one option? Because at that point, are you talking on a continuous playoff team, like year in, year out? Or are you talking like championship caliber? You said yes to yearly playoff team. You said no to championship caliber. Because if we start talking about championship caliber, you look over the past decade, you only have a handful of guys who have been a number one on a championship team. And so, like, you got LeBron, you got Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis. Is there another one? Over the past decade, I like yeah, that's that's about it. I think that's it. And so, like when you really look at it, it's almost unfair to ask of a twenty-one-year-old Lamelo Ball can he be the number one option on the championship team? Right? I feel like even when I ask that, like it's something that I think we need to discuss because a lot of these other guys, your LeBron. He's in another stratosphere. It's not even fair to compare anybody to LeBron. Your Steph Curry, even Kevin Durant, they're older. They're on the backside of their career. They're still phenomenal basketball players, still top five basketball players, right? But I think what a lot of Hornets fans with LaMelo Ball were hoping to get, I guess the easiest comparison to where we've seen a guy, a young guy, like completely changed the face of a franchise as Giannis, right? And so I think that's what every franchise in the league, every fan base is wanting is their version of Giannis. And so do you believe, I think you already kind of answered this, but do you believe that LaMelo can be that, that Giannis level guy who does lead a team to a championship? It's unfair to LaMelo because he's never had the real help around him he needs. Like, 
He just doesn't have the guys around him. These other guys have had to win. Like no matter what you say in this league, like other, like besides like the year LeBron in 2018, when he dragged that Cavs team to the finals, like these guys have to have other all-stars like high caliber players around them. And LaMelo just hasn't been given that, especially at the center position, the way LaMelo plays, he needs a good rim running center. And he's never had that. And that's unfair to him. And to answer your question, can he be a franchise changing player? I believe he can. I, I truly believe he can. Like, the way these NBA stats are going these days with Kelly Oubre is averaging 20 points a game. Literally almost 50 people in the NBA are averaging 20 points a game. I see there's a world Lamella's averaging a triple-double and a franchise-changing guy. Like, he can get to that point. Will he? I don't know. But, yes, then that's why I believe he is the guy to build the franchise around, keep him happy, and build help around him and try and build this team around LaMelo Ball the best way we can. Um, but I know I made that a long-winded answer, but yes, I do believe he could be a franchise-changing player, kind of, not as to the degree of a Giannis, but I think he can turn the Charlotte Hornets into a winning franchise. I do. Okay. Now, transitioning, you brought up rim, running, center. That guy that you can pair with LaMelo, pick and roll, you can give it to him, athletic, big. Hornets have been known not to have anything remotely close to that in recent memory. Mm-hmm. But I think that we would be remiss if we did not show Mason Plumley a little bit of love on this podcast with his recent play. 21 points in his uh, in the last game. 18 prior, 17 before that. You go back at two games prior, 17 points there. You're talking about he's making these lists with players who have 100% from the field, uh, 15 points, 10 rebounds, five assists. He's on lists with Wilt recently, with Kareem, like this crazy stuff, right? How impressed have you been with Mason Plumley's? uptick in production here recently i know you're a duke guy you're wearing the you're wearing the sweater it's disgusting it's making me sick just looking at it but i did want to get your thoughts on your boy mason Plumley. look man he's balling right now six in his last five games 16 points 12 rebounds three assists he is balling right now i mean he is he is dominant but it almost goes back to the lamello thing is that Yes, he's putting up great stats on offense, but what's happening on defense? You have to play both possessions of the ball. It's like football. You can't you can't win the Super Bowl without a good defense and a good offense. You you can get by with a good defense typically, but you have to be able to play defense. We're still losing these games is the thing. We've still yeah. in our last 5, we're still 1 and 4 and we just went bananas against the Bucks, but we're still losing to the Raptors, the Pacers, the Grizzlies, the Lakers. It's nice he's averaging these stats. Uh, the best part about him, I, I'm a Duke guy, and I'm still turning this negative, but the most positive thing about the Hornets, him averaging these stats and playing well recently, is it's boosting his trade value. Boosting that trade value. <laughs> trade value. Get it up, Big Mace. I couldn't agree with you more there. He's putting up good offensive numbers, which a lot of people, that's all they're watching, right? When you look at, 
your average NBA fans, a lot of them are just paying attention to the offensive numbers. And so all of a sudden, Mason Plumley starts to produce. He's starting to score more. He's starting, instead of catching it at the rim and always kicking it out to a three-point shooter, he's actually starting to finish a little bit. All right? There's not a more beautiful reverse dunk on the planet than a reverse plum dog dunk catching it on the roll from LaMelo, actually finishing it. But defensively. Defensively, that is where bigs in the modern NBA really make their money. That's where they really impact a game. And so when you're watching these games, yes, it's nice to see his numbers, you know, climbing offensively and on the boards. But what is he giving you at the rim? What is he giving you as far as rim protection? And that is the biggest thing, which leads us to Mark Williams, another Duke guy. Oh, you got a bigger smile on your face for this one. Okay. <laughs> what are your thoughts about Mark Williams, his role on this team currently, and where it is headed? Possibly post trade deadline. We'll get to that in a little bit as well. But what are your thoughts on Mark Williams? He's been great. I mean, he's not, he's not like, hey, knock your socks off. Like he's the guy now. Let's give him the rookie extension now. But he's been solid. Like, this is what we really this is what I think most people expected when Mark Williams came into the league. We have a guy who's going to rebound. He's going to put up points. He can run the pick and roll with LaMelo, and he's a good defender. We really need that. So I th- I think he deserves more minutes, since especially since we're in a tank season. Oh, the best case scenario for the Hornets is they trade away Mason Plumlee, get some get something back for him, and Mark, Mark Williams and Nick Richards get the split time, and let's see who's better. Yeah, I saw something that one of the BuzzBeat uh, podcast guys stated, and I couldn't agree with it more. He said it can be true that Mason Plumlee's playing the best basketball that he's played here in Charlotte and that he's get he he gets a little bit too much hate. All right. He gets more than he deserves, essentially. Uh, while also simultaneously meaning that he should be traded and Mark Williams should be getting the majority of the center minutes for him to continue to develop because he is the future at the five in Charlotte as we speak. Um, and so I, I, that's where I fall as well. Um, defensively, that's the biggest thing, right? I mean, we, I just stated that's really where in the modern NBA, your centers make a name for themselves is what can they offer for you defensively when everything breaks down? What kind of protection can you give the rim, the paint? What kind of space can you make up? What kind of space can you eat up once a guard or a wing gets beat off the dribble and your help defense, different things of that nature. That's where he truly excels. Offensively, he's raw. All right. He has shown some tendencies to be able to hit, you know, a little turnaround hook, some different things at different times, but got to be pleased with what you've seen defensively from. Now moving. This is our Quite possibly our last segment, all right? And so I want to do some trade deadline rapid fire. Last uh, time I had you on, we were doing some over-unders. This time I want to do trade deadline rapid fire. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to name a player, and I want you to tell me whether or not this player 
should be rostered by the Charlotte Hornets after the trade deadline. Got it? Got it. All right. Terry Rozier. This one's the hardest one for me. Uh, Starting off hard. Be, that's what we do. Yeah. And I'll, I'll try and make it rapid fire real quick. Either way, if he doesn't get traded, like, I, I understand. Like, okay. If he does get traded, great. Like, we get something back for him. Uh, I think he should be traded, though. I think he should. Okay. PJ. Oh, his is so tricky because you want to get something for him while he's on his expiring deal. It doesn't seem like he's going to re-sign in Charlotte. And do you want to overpay for PJ? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, you eventually have to keep some of these guys. So it's you just pick your poison. Do you want to keep Terry? Do you want to keep PJ? Whoever you can get the most amount for, I say you keep. I say you just keep PJ. So, I I think he stays. So you're saying move Terry, keep PJ. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, PJ's tricky for me as well. I'm going to kind of put a pause on the rapid fire for a second. Okay. PJ's tricky for me as well because I thought he was in line for a boost and he has done some good things offensively in spots and moments. The bigger – Honestly, the bigger issue with me with a lot of these players is the Hornets are 11 and 31. Yeah, exactly. We're not winning basketball games with the current roster of guys. I know there's been tons of injuries, but currently, for the most part, the Hornets are pretty healthy. Gordon Hayward can't ever view this roster with him plugged in. Like you have to look at this roster with him being on the bench in street clothes. That's 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 the way I look at this roster. That's the way I've always looked at it since the day that the Charlotte Hornets signed him because that's that was always the worry. But now when I look at it, do I want to overpay for a player who's been healthy the entire season on an 11-win team when you're not you're not seeing wins. You're not seeing winning basketball. You're not seeing guys who are doing the the small things in order to turn losses into wins. And so my holdup with PJ is, do you want to overpay him? I don't want to overpay him. I want to pay him the right amount. I think he's in that 15 to 18 range per. I don't want to get up to 20, 21, 22 million, which I think he'll probably go into because some, some organization is probably going to fall in love with the guy because he does – He's a three and D type player. It is what it is. And so PJ, man, I just, um, he's tricky. He's tricky. He's to me, I think he's the most difficult one. Yeah. I, yeah, there, it's hard to say with him, but yeah, that's the other thing is like, I'll be honest before we get into some of these other players, besides LaMelo, Mark Williams, I think everybody else is on the trade block for me. Yeah, like, I mean, they just haven't shown enough, right? Like, you have 11 wins in 42 tries. Like, who do you really want to keep on that? Like, which player do you think, oh, that's they're going to bring winning basketball to Charlotte? I just don't know how many there are. Mm-hmm. And, like, P.J. and Terry kind of lead – 
you know, that list of players that's like on the line, like they show moments of it, but like they don't show it to you consistently enough to where you're like, oh yeah, that's a guy we need to have here. Um, all right, back real quick, I know uh, real quick before oh. we're going to make it a uh, super long rapid fire, but anyhow, I have a question for you. Go for it. Do you think it's more beneficial for the Charlotte Hornets to sell early before the end of the trade deadline? Do we want to be the first team that does a fire sale first, or are we going to be last? I think you get out in front because mm-hmm. a lot of these teams are going to start looking to add pieces. The Charlotte Hornets, here's the thing. We have pieces that other teams need. Other teams need shooting. Terry Rozier, Kelly Oubre, even a PJ. Other teams need a lengthy guy to come off the bench who can hit threes and play some defense. All of a sudden you have a Jalen McDaniels that you could be moving. PJ enters that conversation again. You need a backup big who's going to not really turn the ball over, can give you some things offensively, move the ball, rebound for you. You got a Mason Plumley. But these teams are going to start looking elsewhere if you just try to hold tight. And so, yes, I think the Hornets need to start. They needed to be on the phone weeks ago. I thought before the before the calendar flipped, I thought that Mitch Kupchak needed to be on the phone. But but what's good about this right now is that Terry's playing a little bit better right now. Mason Plumlee's yes. playing a little bit better right now. So people are upping their trade value a little bit. Kelly's averaging over 20. But let's get back to the rapid fire. Back to rapid fire. Here we go. Kelly Rubin. <laughs> Trade, trade, gone. Your, his value is go. never going to be I higher. Agree. Never going to be higher. Kelly's got to go. Uh, Mason Plumley. Trade, like I said, values. I mean, it's never going to be higher than it is in these last five games right never. now. Trade, future of the franchise. Future of the franchise at the five at the moment is Mark Williams. Not Mason Plumley. Move it. Nope. Get all the value. Get that entire one second round pick that you can for him. Do you think you can get more for Mason Plumley than one second? No, I don't either. See, that that's the thing. Like his trade value's never been higher, and you probably still can't get more than a second. We might draft half of the second round with the amount of second round picks we're racking up here. True. <laughs> Next, Jalen McDaniels. So people are gonna find this as a controversial thing. Hornets Reddit loves Jalen McDaniels. They love it for some reason. I'm not a Jalen McDaniels guy whatsoever. Trade him. Uh, There's already the rumors coming out that the Nuggets were involved in a trade with him talking about getting McDaniels. I'm not a McDaniels guy, and I'll tell you why real quick, is that when he has the ball in his hands, are you comfortable? Are you confident at all when he has the ball in his hands? He's a decent defender. I'll say that. He's a decent defender. He can get hot one in every 10, 15 games. But other than that, when he has the ball in his hands, I'm shaking. I'm, I'm, I have zero confidence. I feel like he's going to make the wrong play every time. Yeah. Loose handle, very uh, loose handle. Still, he, he still doesn't have that NBA body. Like mm-hmm. when he drives, he creates some fouls sometimes. He always leaves it short. He never mm-hmm. really finishes through contact. Um, but, this team is in need of defenders, and he does provide that. Um, Jalen's a tricky one for me as well. Either way, whether he goes or not, um, I don't think that it's just going to really – It's not going to matter. Yeah, either way. Maybe he has more value currently than originally thought, uh, but how much more is even that? You're not getting a first for him. 
Nobody's going to no. say, oh, like, what are you going to get? Two seconds? Maybe. You turn one second round pick, 50-second pick overall, I believe, into two. Sure, that looks like good gains, but then at the end of the day, like, it's just really not moving the needle. No. James Booknight. This is going to sound mean, but why even trade him? We have nothing to lose. Just let him play in Greensboro. If we if we do blow up this team, keep him on the bench. Let him let's see what we got. At least his body language has been horrific. Uh, James Plowright, I hope he, I'm saying his name right. The British Buzz guy on yes. Twitter. He he watches all the Greensboro Swarm games. He tweeted out the video. You just see Booknight's body language in Greensboro, and it's it's horrendous. It's even it's horrendous awful. for Hornets games. He could not care. Priorities have to be elsewhere. I don't know what's going on in his personal life. I'm sure it's been tough. Uh, that's neither here nor there. Why not keep him? You're not losing anything. You're not going to get anything for him. So why not just keep him? Hope something. He turns it into maybe something. Maybe he's averages 40 in the G League. But what signs do we have that he's going to turn into anything? That's the biggest thing. Like Pro- probably like his nothing. attitude. And his just outlook, his disposition has to be affecting some of the guys around him just because when you have a guy in the – like the Hornets, they'll flash over to the you know to the bench in some of these games. Hornets have been losing most of them, obviously, 11 and 31. And a lot of times they just span and he's like laughing on the bench, like joking with somebody and somebody else, whoever's sitting next to him, whether it be JT or – Kai or something they're usually pretty stoic for the most part but he's just like over here like not taking things seriously he's buried on the depth chart uh he's not even starting in Greensboro we have Xavier Sneed starting in Greensboro over James Booknight I mean this is a disaster an absolute disaster GMs get fired for these types of things where you have a Top 10, I know he was 11, a borderline top 10 pick and like looking like a complete bust in year two. No on-court time, can't even start for the G League squad. It's tough. Which leads me into Mitch Kupchak. What would a Mitch Kupchak just zero moves at the trade deadline do to you and how you view this team? If you're a Hornets fan and you see Mitch Kupchak not make a single move at this deadline, you want him out because then he's not doing his job. It's clear this team's a tank team. We've said it a thousand times on this podcast today. You got to get you got to blow it up. Got to get rid of guys. These is we do not have guys that contribute to winning basketball here in Charlotte. It'll not. We've seen it. It's proven. Let's let's cut bait. Let's go in tank. Hopefully we get one of the top two picks. That's what you got to do. Uh, there, there's no point keeping these guys. We saw it with Kemba Walker the year when he was he had his expiring deal. We should have traded him before the deadline. I know it would have been tough. He's a Hornets legend, Bobcats legend, but we should have traded him. We really should have traded him and gotten something for him, and we might as well get something for these guys that are on the trade block. This is a real worry for Hornets Twitter because – when you hear Mitch Kupchak in these interviews with Ashley Shamity with uh, at the uh, draft combine, he was making statements in those interviews with the press that 
I expect for this team to be better than they were last season. What we win last season, 43, I expect us to win more than that. Better would be more than that. At the combine, he says there's a world in which I can see us not making any moves and us being a better team. This was before Miles Bridges. This was before, you know, free agency and things like that. So some things changed after that, obviously. But with some of his recent comments that he's made, there's a part that makes you wonder if Mitch Kupchak truly believes that the guys and the roster is in place, they just have been that injured. They've had that much uh, negative luck on their side. And so, you know, you I asked this question, I'm like, there's no way, right, that this team doesn't make any moves at the deadline. But then Mitch, just with some of his recent comments, makes you wonder, like, we might sit pat and this guy might try to run this thing back next year with maybe one or two additions. And that's, that's scary, man. Yeah. We, we, we need just, there, there's a few people I follow uh, Hornets fans on Twitter. They're all into the tank and I a hundred percent agree with them. 14% is our magic number, baby. That's all we need to be focused on. And let's just offload these guys. I mean, why, why keep them? Like I need to hear one good argument on why we should keep any of these guys. Yeah. There's just really not one Carter, man. Thanks for being back on this episode with me. I appreciate you. Second time, you're pretty much a regular, like I said. Let everybody know where they can find you. At Carter B8 on Twitter. Follow the Carter Cast, our show. Subscribe to it. Subscribe to the Hive Hoops, too. I know you're That's listening right. on Spotify. Podcasts. Go on there. Leave a five-star review. You, I know you love this episode. I know you love this podcast. Five-star review. Rate it. Hive Hoops. Subscribe here. All subscribe Subscribe to the Carter Cast. Check us out. We're, all, we're everywhere. YouTube, Spotify, Apple. You name it, we're on there. Thank you so much for having me on. Anytime you need me, man, I'm back on. I love talking Hornets Hoops. Even though we stink, we... We never get anything good in our lives, but you know what? I'm still going to be there watching every single game. I cannot wait. Follow me on at Carter B8. I'll be at the Jazz game Monday. I'll make sure to post some content, hopefully meet up with like Eric Collins or something. We'll do some fun stuff there. Man, this guy really amping up hive hoops. I mean, I I got to pay him more or something, right? I mean, I got to slide a little bit. <laughs> hey, hey, hey I, I get paid in cookout trades. That's the deal. Oh man, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. You need a little bit of help since you uh hit that uh you didn't hit on Duke tonight, right? Yeah, I did not hit on Duke tonight. So uh I might be eating cookout trays uh for a while now to to you know make the money back. But man, they're getting they're even cookout trays getting expensive at this point. Yeah, seven dollars. What's going on here? Man. All right. Thanks guys for listening to another episode. We'll catch you on the next one. Adios until next time. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops, presented by The League. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops.